I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, you probably expected the usual, right? Little Bucks news, little Tom Brady. No, we're going to talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars. Which, by the way, do you say Jaguars or Jaguars? I never, never knew exactly what that was. Um, and Urban Meyer. Former Florida coach, of course, Ohio State, in a little hot water with his ex-place kicker, Josh Lambeau. A little story we did in the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk about that. Now, hold on, hold on. And give you the First lawyer. of all, I think if you listen to the television commercial, isn't it Jaguar? But the ja- well, Jaguar is the car, right? It's the Jaguar. Correct, correct. Right, so maybe, so I think I think it's the same same animal. So yeah, it's probably the the Jaguar. Right. Although British people say that much better than than we do. Yes. But I thought your so, job, yeah, the Jaguars. As a staff member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, according to what I read on Twitter, is to tear down the Buccaneers team. Yeah, right. What are you doing writing about the Jaguars? <laughs> well, I mean, I got three players suspended. How much more can I do, right? I mean, that was all on me. Um, you know, Antonio Brown and, and Mike Edwards and, uh, you know, John Franklin is not even in the league now. So uh, my work is done there. Um, so it's time to take out another franchise in the state of Florida with the NFL. Why not go after Urban? Everybody else is, right? All I can say is the Miami Dolphins are very nervous that they're going to show up in South Florida at some point, and then Tua is going to get like, uh-oh, what's he doing here? Um, but no. it. Look, this was not – and I'm happy to tell everybody because, you know, I do sleuth around one buck place quite a bit to find these, these stories. I was not looking for this one. This one came to me, and uh, – Sort of a, uh, a a good friend of mine is is a good friend of of Josh Lambeau, and we know all that's been going on with Urban Meyer, of course, since he he joined Jacksonville. It was supposed to be this tremendous hire. Of course, he has the resume, one of the best college football coaches that ever lived, making the jump to the NFL with Trevor Lawrence and Shaq Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, um, in a franchise that that is the worst in the league. You know that's how you get the number one pick, and it's a challenge that Meyer. Accepted, and it has gone about as bad as it could go. I, I, I like legit don't know how much worse it could be at this point. Um, and this is just sort of another log on on the burning seat that he has over there in his first year with the Jaguars. Um, the story goes, and you read it on Tampa Bay dot com and Tampa Bay Times, but. Josh Lambeau had been there for five years. He was a Pro Bowl kicker. I think the the fourth, third, or fourth most accurate kicker in NFL history, as a matter of fact. Um, and he lost his job, but that's not why he spoke out. I mean, he he kicked poorly in the preseason and uh, actually into the regular season until they cut him sometime in uh, in October. And I think he missed all three of his field goals during the regular season. The reason he spoke out now is because of all that it, you read about. Jacksonville in this latest episode that Tom Pelissario reported uh, regarding certain players, Urban calling out his his coaches in their in, in the coaching meeting rooms, saying what have you guys ever won that sort of thing. And then you know when the story was sourced, Urban said, "Yeah, well if there's a source, you know he's out of here like 
in a second, right? So Lambo took that to mean that look, there are people over there that can speak to truth to power, but they they are now they've now been threatened, right? They've been threatened with their jobs that if they come out and say anything, um, they could lose their gig. And he cares about a lot of people in that organization, not just players and teammates, but but you know people in the building, in and around the building. And he said enough was enough, and so he wanted to tell his story. And his story goes back to training camp when, you know, he was uh, trying to make the roster, as you do as a veteran every year. He had had a couple of subpar preseason games, missed the field goal in each game. They're heading into the Dallas Cowboys final preseason game. They only played three last year. And the first practice um, after that second preseason game, they're in a stretching line as a team. And, you know, do this uh, pretty regularly. A lot of teams do this before practice where – uh, they're about five, six feet apart, and they'll, you know they'll have a trainer out there that'll lead them through uh, various stretches, hamstrings, and you know uh, calves and glutes, and you know all that stuff. So uh, he's in the end zone with a bunch of other players, some specialists or whatnot, and because he hasn't kicked very well, um, Urban Meyer walks up to him, and according to Lambo, um, kicks him in the leg, like he's. He's in a pro, he's sort of in this position where uh he has his right foot forward, his left foot back and you know he's kind of stretched out there stretching his hip and and he gets kicked in in uh in the leg where he actually had a hip injury a year ago that knocked him on put him on IR. And he said it wasn't the hardest kick, you know, like he could have kicked me harder if you really want to say here's my hardest kick. But he goes it's probably about a 5. It wasn't a love tap. It was like, yeah, he freaking kicked me. And so Lambo immediately responded to Meyer and said, don't you ever bleep and kick me like that again. And then it, then it went south from there. And, uh, you know, you can check, again, you can read the story, but the bottom line is this, that, you know, they, they met the next day. He cornered him at a, at, a, uh, at a machine where he was getting his morning smoothie, and Lambo and him had it talked over. And, and basically Meyer said, look, I'm the head ball coach, and I can kick whoever the bleep I want to. And Lambo's whole thing is like, no, you can't. Like, this is a workplace just like any other place. Like, you can't you, – you just can't go up and kick people. You know, like that – that's just bullying. And and so he he says, you know, I'm going to stand up to the bully. Like, you can't bully me. Bullies are bad. We should stand up to them. And that's what I'm doing now because I feel like a lot of people in that organization are bullied. You know, went on to say that he thought that Urban was a hypocrite and some of the things he preaches but doesn't live by. We saw – remember the – Ohio incident, you know, where he didn't come home with the team and he's, you know, caught on Instagram or, you know, some social media with a, a woman who's not his wife in his lap dancing. Um, so all that aside, Lambeau just wanted to get this off his chest. He wanted to talk about some of the abuse, um, physical and certainly verbal, uh, that he received from Urban Meyer. And you can only imagine in my mind, now again, Meyer, through his team i guess through his agency uh released a statement and 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 said that lambo mischaracterized everything uh or that incident um you know and the interesting thing is that lambo reported it right away you know he contemporaneously the next day he had his agent the legal counsel's office and and say you know we got a problem um we can get into the reasons why he never met with them but uh, both the Jaguar Jaguars and and um and and him you know confirmed that to us but 
it's just one more thing, Steve. I mean, it's like how much more of this can Shaq Khan tolerate, even if you believe fifty percent of it or six. I mean, it, it it's not it's a distraction, right? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you're we're not talking about football. We're not talking about Trevor Lawrence getting better. Uh, you know, he's playing worse, by the way. He just had a four interception game and they got shut out, um, which is never good in the NFL. So you're talking about Urban. Everything is about that coach. And and that's sort of the way it is in college, I guess, but not these kind of stories, you know. Well, and there's a few things that come it, up. It just, is One, you know, in college you can put the fear into players and they really can't speak out. Uh, maybe, no. it's, you know, in the last year or two, it may have changed a little bit with transfer portal and now NIL deals. But before then, if, if you wanted to speak out against the coach, you weren't going to play and you were, you're stuck because it was a year to transfer mm-hmm. somewhere. And, and so, yeah. you know, were these tactics and these kind of coaching coaches common in college football? Potentially they are in the pros. When these guys are paid, they, a lot of them are going to last longer than the coaches. Um, you know, they don't have to put up with that stuff. Two, this may be a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. Which potentially. Which, yeah. yeah, it might be. And and I would assume the NFL will look into it and see. At that point, you yeah. could be giving Shad Khan cause to fire Urban Meyer. I, I don't you, you know, could. I don't know how contracts You're are absolutely. worded and I don't know. You know, the legal part of it. I mean, we had a mailbag question yesterday asking, do you think Urban will survive? And you said yes because of how much money they'd have to pay out. If he's fired for cause, that's a different story. Well, and, and you know, with Chuck Khan, I think here's the, the calculus. First of all, he had pursued Urban for a while. Like, this is this was his dream, right? Like, he, he wanted a guy, um, which was a, a marketing coup, at least initially, that you get one of the most successful coaches in college football and you bring him to the NFL, but you bring him to Jacksonville. Like, you get him here. Um, he certainly had an opportunity to go to other teams, I would think, over the years. And, and market's bigger than Jacksonville. But he had the number one overall pick, and that's what attracted Urban Meyer. was like, look, I'm going to start with that quarterback, and that quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. And that's, as much as anything, you know, Urban Meyer wasn't going to go someplace where he didn't have the guy under center. And... I, I think most people that evaluate the talent of the player um, think that Lawrence might be a generational talent. He has the kind of ability, athletic, the arm strength is off the charts, didn't lose a game until he got to the NFL, really, that, that w- in the regular season anyway. Um, he's been a winner, good guy, on and off the field ball, outward appearances. So this is why Meyer, in part, chose to, to take – up Shaq Khan's offer and, and, and go there. But the same reason why you got Meyer is the reason why you may have to say goodbye to him, and that is you can't lose the quarterback. And when I mean lose, I mean he's under contract. He's not going anywhere. But if that guy doesn't develop, if you don't build a team around him with the right coaching staff and support system, and oh, by the way, all he's doing is answering questions about all this controversy that Meyer had created about himself. You know, it's that whole team, like, show me a story that's about anybody besides Urban Meyer. You know, and it's kind of like that in college, but n- not for these reasons, but for other reasons. It's like the college game is about the coaches. The NFL, it's about the damn players, you know, and it has not been about their players. Um, and it has been about Urban for the wrong reasons. 
So my concern, if I were shocked, Khan is I'd have to ask myself, hey, listen, I know this. There's a lot of coaches that have been to Super Bowls and have and have won them. You know, Bruce Arians has won a Super Bowl, right? Um, and you can go down the line. I mean, Belichick won the most, but you can go down the line. You know, Pete Carroll won a Super Bowl, and you know, there, there, there's plenty. But in each case, John Fox won a Super Bowl. In each case, they had franchise quarterbacks. They had generational quarterbacks. They had elite quarterbacks, right? And they and they didn't win without them. So my thing would be, hey, the, the secret sauce here is the quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, you, you got $100 million potentially wrapped up in him when he gets to his next deal. And don't you want to see or, or, you know, watch him develop properly since that's how you go to Super Bowls. You go with the players, you know. Um, like I said, love Bruce Arians. Great coach, loves what he does. I think he does a heck of a job. He didn't go to the Super Bowl until Tom Brady, and he had Ben Roethlisberger, and he had. Now he went when he was coordinator with the, with the Steelers, but I'm saying, like as a head coach, you know, eh, Andrew Luck didn't happen. You know, um, Arizona didn't happen with Carson Palmer. Good quarterbacks gets Tom Brady. Didn't happen with Jameis Winston here. Tom Brady, same team, add a few pieces, boom. So. They better watch out and not, you know, because if you if you more if you put him and tether him to Urban Meyer another year, and these things continue, this this drip 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 of, you know, bad behavior by Urban Meyer, bad stories, and it's about him all the time. You're gonna lose Trevor Lawrence, and I don't mean again he's under contract. I get it. He's gonna become not what he should be. He's gonna be his his development's gonna be stunted to the point where you didn't get all of out out of him that you needed. So that would be my problem if I were them. And I still don't think he's going to get fired. <laughs> but it's just me. I, I mean, I do. I don't. I, I, I think he'll survive this and, you know, I don't know how. I don't know why. Now, maybe he'll get headaches or something, you know. He, he has been known to leave teams. That's what I heard. Big story, man, uh, and it's really not just the NFL, although it, we, we, we're going to talk about the NFL, but uh, all through sports, hockey, um, the NBA, mm-hmm. the COVID breakouts. My goodness. I'm questioning whether they're going to have to move games or not. I don't, that's not the intent. No one has discussed that. But Every my, league oh, at Lord, this point is saying they have no intention of shutting down or moving a, a significant yeah. amount of games. I mean, the NHL has postponed a few. Um, the NFL doesn't plan on that at this point. Uh, of course, the NFL, you know, you're down to four weeks left in the season. You don't have a lot of time to move anything either. So uh, they need to get those games in. Where the NHL, NBA would have a little more time and flexibility at this point. Yeah, so the NFL, you know, there's an owner's meeting going on right now. And um, the discussions they're having with the union and, and the owners is changing the protocols. You know, and some talk about, um, you know, in the future, of course, I think the union has asked for more testing uh, during this the mm-hmm. variant that's uh, causing uh, a lot of infections. But I think ultimately, where where they want to go, if you get a booster shot, if your if your vaccinations are up to up to date, um, unless you're symptomatic, I think they're gonna they want players to play. 
you know, that, that there's a lot of guys that are testing positive, but they're not ending up in hospitals. Very few of them even have symptoms. And I think, I think where we're headed with this as a league is, Hey, unless you're sick, you know what I mean? If you're vaccinated and you have your boosters up to date, you're not going to miss any time. I think that's where we're headed. We'll see. I I think that's, I think that's where the leagues are trying to head. I know, the NHL has got some enhanced protocols now uh, for at least a couple weeks. Players are not allowed on the road to dine out at indoor restaurants. Uh, they want them social mm-hmm. distancing, wearing masks now, um, virtual meetings instead of in-person meetings to go over things, um, just trying to, to separate things as the NHL has canceled some games and they've had some big breakouts among some teams. So, Yeah, and to be clear, it's worse up north than it is down here. Um, we talked to Bruce Arians and he said, well, you know, a lot of those people, even though it's been very moderate temperatures, a lot of those people are inside now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the advantage of being out here, meeting out here. Um, but I'm here to tell you, all those folks up in the north that are getting COVID and it's spreading rapidly because they're inside. Yeah, they're going to get on a plane and come down here for the warm weather <laughs> real soon. And especially around the holidays and Florida's going to be on fire, too. So. It's just a matter of time, actually, I think, before that occurs. But um, I'm getting my booster on Friday, I think. I think we have to get it with uh, the new protocols. Where Maybe it doesn't affect the media, but I'm going to try to booster up a little bit and uh, try to stay safe out there if you can. But that's uh, you just don't, you know, it's, it's exhausting, man. I mean, and sports is what we do and what we love, and we hate to see any games missed and players have to go out and, so you just hope that one day we can get through this, but it's come back around and um, they're going to have to adjust accordingly. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, it's time now to talk some college football, my favorite time of the week, and we're going to be joined here now by Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. And Matt, uh, be careful as uh, you make your travels from Gainesville, where there's a little bit of news breaking uh, on this evening as we tape this podcast about one Florida Redshirt junior quarterback, Emory Jones. Turns out he's entering the transfer portal. So how anticipated do you think this was? And, and uh, I mean... Obviously, they've got a, a hell of a talent in Anthony Richardson, but um, you don't want to lose you don't want to lose this kind of a talent, right? Correct, and thanks for having me on. So, yeah, Yahoo's uh, Pete Thamel reported just a little bit ago, as I was finishing up at the swamp, of course, because that's how the timing works, um, that Emory <laughs> Jones is expected to enter the transfer portal here in the next couple of days. Um, there's questions about Anthony Richardson's health. Um, and his knee, obviously, that his health has been an issue pretty much all season, which is why he's kind of had a stop-and-start yeah. uh, redshirt freshman season with the Gators. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Billy Napier, the first-year coach, wouldn't address Richardson's health tonight, I asked, but I don't expect him to be available for the bowl game, let's put it that way. And uh, so Emory Jones, by all accounts, is going to start uh, next week in the Gasparilla Bowl against UCF at a sold-out Raymond James Stadium. 
and then apparently he's going to transfer afterwards. So, I mean, give him credit for the way he's handling this. And really, I think Emory's handled everything as about as well as you could with, with kind of the grace and, and class and more maturity than you would expect from, from a college kid. Um, kind of like the way Kyle Trask did, frankly, um, at, at UF with how he handled everything. Both of them have handled, have done this the right way in unfortunate, at times in challenging situations. So Florida needs help at quarterback. They, they need experience. They need somebody who can play and have a chance of beating UCF in the bowl game. So uh, Emory Jones apparently is, is going to do that and then go on to, to the next chapter, which frankly makes a lot of sense. If Anthony Richardson is healthy, it's pretty clear to everyone except for Dan Mullen at times that he's the, the, the most impressive, most talented quarterback on the roster. So, yeah, it would make sense that he's the quarterback moving forward. And in the, the portal era, the way it is right now, it's, it's impossible to build quarterback depth. You, you see that with, with Dylan Gabriel at UCF entering the portal and you know, Spencer Rattler uh, going, leaving Oklahoma when it's clear he probably wasn't going to be the guy. And he ends up at South Carolina, uh, Slovis at USC, and on and on and on. If you're not starting, you're departing. And that's just, you know, the, the transfer portal depth at quarterback right now is absurd. And, and Emory Jones is going to be another addition to that, it seems. Yeah, and he'll get a nice audition for uh, whatever school that he's uh, to transfer to. I mean, he started 11 games. To your point, pretty good numbers. I mean, 67.7% completions, 19 touchdowns. So when he played, he was effective, and uh, he's not uh, abandoning his team here for the bowl game, so that's that's a good thing. Look, Billy Napier hasn't been there very long. These new coaches don't have much time. They sort of have to hit the proverbial ground recruiting. So, I know it's early returns, but this was uh, signing day, of course, uh, on Wednesday. How did the Gators fare given their circumstance right now? I think they fared pretty well. And that's really weird to say because Florida's class is somewhere in like 62nd nationally right now, according to the 247 composite, which obviously that's not good enough. But they, they signed, I believe it's eight or nine guys. I think the, the ninth one was announced. So. Obviously, they're going to add more. They will add more either through the portal or in the next couple of days and through the traditional recruiting ranks or in the February period as well. So the class is very much not finished. And I think this is the right approach that Billy Napier is taking. When you look at how um, a transition class like this, where you go from one coach staff to the next, you look at the attrition rate, it's sky high. You look at the bus rate, it is sky high. So there's something to be said for being very deliberate about who you take and why. I mean, again, they signed eight or nine guys. I think it was nine officially. Of those nine, Billy Napier had a relationship with precisely one of them before Thanksgiving. So he had to completely condense what, what takes years of relationship building and recruiting into 10 days, basically, and figure out, A, is this guy good enough to play at the University of Florida? Does he have the measurables, the height, the weight, the speed, hand size, whatever it is that I want at this position or that position? And then does he does he want to play for me? Is he the type of player that I want to coach? Um, is he type, the type of person that I want building this culture? And, and condensing that into a week and a half. So it's a very, very hard job. And that's why the attrition rate and bus rate are so high, because people try and rush a process that, again, takes years to do. And I think by going a, a short, 
you know, kind of a patient approach is a smart one here. Um, Mario Cristobal at Miami was fairly similar. He, he signed seven or eight guys, which was, again, that kind of makes sense for where they are right now. And, and if you're looking kind of forward to what can Billy Napier do on the recruiting trail, there's a couple good signs. Uh, he, he signed a blue chip safety from from, uh, from Naples, Devin Morris's name, who had been committed to Notre Dame earlier this cycle. That's a big time get from an area that Florida needs to recruit well. He got a five-star uh, defensive back commit, uh, Corey Wilson from IMG Academy. That's First of all, IMG is a school that the Gators absolutely need to recruit very well, and they haven't over the past couple administrations. Um, and you know, obviously you need five-star guys, right? Like it, the Dan Mullen's problem was he didn't have enough of those high-end players. In four recruiting classes at Florida, Mullen signed precisely two high school players who were five-stars. Napier's been here 10 days, 11 days, whatever it is, and already has one. So that's an encouraging sign for what Napier might be able to do and, and, and landing the high-end talent Florida's going to have to get if they're going to start competing with Bama and Georgia and A&M, who, by the way, as we record now, have the top three classes in the country. Yeah, I saw where Texas A&M did pretty well, and uh, they got one of Brad Johnson's sons. And they, they might end up getting the other one. You know, Max Johnson, the LSU quarterback, is in the transfer portal, and I would not be surprised at all if uh, a guy who beat the Gators uh, ends up at A&M with Jimbo. Who knows a thing or two about beating the Gators, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, speaking of five-star prospects, how about the, the, day, the news of the day in college football? Travis Hunter uh, flipped his commitment from Florida State. Not just to any place, folks. He's headed to Jackson State with Deion Sanders. This is unexpected, and and there's got to be something behind it besides Sanders' good charm. We can speculate on on different things, but I thought I thought things like the NILs were supposed to help the Blue Bloods, not not the Jackson States of the world. Well, I think it has helped the Blue Bloods. It's just that in this case, it might not have helped Florida State. Let's let's just talk bluntly. There's a lot of rumblings on social media about whether there was some sort of NIL deal that was the decision, you know, that that made the decision for, for Travis Hunter um, to go from yeah. Florida State to Jackson State. There's nothing confirmed on that, so I'm not saying it's factual, but I will say that NIL is absolutely going to be, not, not going to be, it is part of the discussion on what players are doing and, and the decisions that they're making as prospects, as transfers, what have you. Um Let's face it, they are in position now where they can get paid. And like in any job, when you and I have, have looked at other jobs in the past or been called or whatever, you want to look, it's a business and it's a job and you need to make sure that the compensation makes sense. And um, so it is absolutely a factor. Again, not just talking Travis Hunter, I'm talking generally. It is a factor in the decisions that are being made by recruits and it will only become a bigger factor as this NIL marketplace kind of straightens out over the next couple of years where they figure out what is the market? What is the market at school X? What is it for school Y? What are the built-in advantages school X and school Y have? And, and that's something that Florida State and every other program in the country, frankly, is trying to sort out as they figure this out. I mean, I think Billy Napier uh, talked about that in his introductory press conference. Again, he didn't get into a lot of specifics. He just mentioned this is something that we're going to have to work through and figure out how can we best position ourselves to be a leader in this space. Um, so now, zooming back in on Travis Hunter, it's stunning. 
um, people who know a lot more about recruiting than I do and have been following it and covering it a lot more than I do said this is the biggest signing day flip in the modern recruiting era in the last 20 years or so. Um, there have been top recruits who have, who have made decisions on signing day, who have flipped. That stuff happens. But to go from a program that's won three national championships to a program that's at the FCS level, the 1AA level, I, I mean, it's unprecedented. It's absolutely unprecedented. Um, some of it is definitely Deion Sanders. You know, this isn't like the first big name recruit that he's pulled. Um, you know, there was uh, oh, that Wesley Wesley Chapel, Isaiah Bolden, Isaiah Bolden, who was a uh, nice recruit at Florida State from Wesley Chapel High School, uh, ended up transferring, ends up at Jackson State, and got a couple of kickoff returns for a touchdown this year. Um, John Huggins, who was a former blue chip. Uh, signee to the Gators, defensive back, got in some off-field trouble, uh, ended up transferring to Florida or to Jackson State. So, he Dion has gotten some high-profile players, mostly through the transfer portal, but also recruiting in the past. What's different is this is the number one recruit in the country. This is a there's no can't misses in recruiting, but he's about as close to a can't miss as you can get. I mean, the highest-rated cornerback uh, of the modern recruiting era would have been FSU's top signee since Ernie Sims in 2003. He is a dude among dudes, and FSU built a lot around him. And he had been committed since March 2020, which is a really long time. Went through the three and eight, uh, three and yeah, three and six season. Um, went through the five and seven season. Stuck with them after they lost to Jacksonville State. All this stuff, and then it gets literally down to the 11th hour, 59th minute of the 11th hour, and he flips to Jackson State. I mean, I, I can't describe what a massive blow that is for Florida State um, and, and for Mike Norvell. Look, he's 8-13, and 13, which is one game worse than Willie Taggart was when he got fired. He, yeah, there was some on-field progress, but really, if, I'm gonna, if I was going to tell you what's different about Norvell, what gives you confidence or hope that things are going to get better with FSU, it was a sort of recruiting class. You know, they, they entered the day. 10th or 11th, somewhere in that range in the country, with a couple five-star guys, including the top player in the country. That's something that you can point to and say, this is the way things are going. Things are getting better. This is what Mike Norvell can do with all this time to recruit. And then he loses the best player to an FCS team. I mean, it's it's absolutely stunning, and I think it's a devastating blow, and it makes you question what Norvell is going to be able to do in the future. Even It's not all him. Maybe there's NIL, maybe it's Dion, and what have you, but it definitely makes you think about how much progress there really is in FSU and what Norvell's going to be able to do and how he's going to overcome this. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it was shocking to me. And I, I, I was interested, Matt, in, in getting your take on, on these two, <laughs> these two uh, comments about what's going on in college football right now. Dabo Sweeney fell on the, it's total chaos right now. Tampering galore. Kids are being manipulated. Grass is greener and all this stuff as opposed to just putting in the work and graduating. There's no consequences. Now you've got agents and NIL and tampering and you've got consequences. No consequences equals no conscience. There's no reason for pause and on and on and on, right? And then you have the great uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, who simply said, uh, there's always been NIL stuff going on. It just wasn't legal. <laughs> So That's somewhere correct. in there might lie the truth. Um, Dabo's freaking out about it. Jimbo's sort of embracing it a little bit, I guess. 
and look, this is where you are. Uh, this is where college football is. It's, I mean, it is chaos. It really is. I mean, think about the first thing you asked me. Emory yeah, Jones yeah. is going to, if this works the way it's expected, Emory Jones is going to start in a, a fairly meaningless bowl game and then, like, go in the portal the next day. And, like, this is this is a telegraph thing. This is this is the plan. And it, the plan makes sense, right? Like, that's part of the reason why this is so crazy, that all the crazy stuff makes sense. Um, look, let's not be naive. Players have been getting paid. Recruits have been getting paid for a while. I mean, there's there's plenty sure. of stories, right? Like, we, we've all heard. Um, the difference is that now a lot of it can be above table. And there's also a difference that different states have different rules and what is allowed and what is not allowed. I'm frankly not entirely clear on all of it because it's extremely confusing. Yeah. So let's use this Travis Hunter thing as an example, right? So he is a Georgia high school player who chose not, who could have gone to a Florida school, but instead chose a school in Mississippi. There's not one uniform policy. There, there's a different one in Georgia and a different one in Florida and a different one in Mississippi. So it's just all very convoluted and, and crazy. And then you factor in everything that's happened with the coaching carousel um, and how the early signing day and the transfer portal has led to coaches getting fired sooner than, than, than usual and coaches taking new jobs sooner than usual. It's all absolutely insane. But this is where we are. And you either adapt and figure, okay, this is crazy, but here's how I'm going to deal with the crazy. You know, Billy Napier said, this is crazy. I'm going to take a step back away from the crazy, even if it means not having a great signing. I think that's going to be the best thing long term. Um, different schools have different, taken different approaches with NIL, and this is how we're going to deal with the crazy. So if you just sit there and say, this is crazy, this is stupid, this is nuts, this isn't good, well, you're going to get left behind because every other person thinks it's stupid and nuts and crazy, but they're going to figure out how to make that work for them in their program. And I'm sure Dabo will. He's a, I mean, he's a, one of the best coaches of my lifetime, certainly. He's not a dumb guy. He'll figure out a way to make it work. He, he hasn't been a transfer guy, transfer portal guy in the past, but if everybody else is doing it and succeeding, I'm pretty darn sure he's going to start doing it too, even if he doesn't like it. Well, the biggest thing that might hurt him is the transfers of his offensive and defensive coordinator to head coaching jobs, right? Yeah, when you look at Clemson losing Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator, to Oklahoma, Offensive coordinator um, Elliott to to Virginia, and, and then let's not forget athletic director Dan Radakovich to Miami. Those are three big losses, and one of Clemson's probably their biggest strength in this dynasty that they built, if you want to call it that, is the continuity, where they didn't lose assistance very often. Especially when you compare it to what's happened at Alabama with Nick Saban, it seems like every year he's replacing one assistant or, or multiple assistants who. They go to the NFL, or they get a you know, go from position coach to coordinator, or so many of them t- have taken head coaching jobs over the years. Clemson's not been doing that. It's been you know seamless alignment from the president to the AD to the coach to the assistants. Same thing every single year where you know what you're getting. So I, I think it's absolutely fair to question whether Clemson is going to be able to sustain what they've been doing under Davo with all these changes. I'm not saying it's going to fall apart, but it's certainly fair to wonder if they're going to be Clemson the way that we've seen them over the last, you know, since 2014, 2015. Yeah, that continuity of the coaching staff is huge, and those are really good coaches, and uh, certainly people will be wanting to work at Clemson and Fort Dabo, but 
he's got to assemble more than just players. He's got to put together or or you know promote or whatever he has to do to to get that staff whole again. So uh, we talked about, of course, what happened at Florida State in Florida. Um, I guess USF feels pretty good about what they've uh, begun to accumulate over there in uh, in Coach Scott's uh, uh, third season. I guess um, anything else around the country that uh, that was noteworthy to you, as far as uh, whether it's local players or, or guys or other programs that um, jumped out to you today? Well, let's talk about USF for a second. Um, you know, two four seven sports has done a, a smart thing um, this year they, where they're breaking up how you're adding talent. Uh, the, the high school recruiting is one component, and the transfer portal is its own separate component now. Um, so using that, USF has the number one transfer portal class in the country. Uh, I think it's 11 guys, um, including three from Clemson, so you know they're, they're going to be talented. Um, several of them are, are from the Bay Area. They've got a DB coming over from Kansas State. Um, uh, Ash was uh, from uh, Chamberlain High School. Played, you know, went, uh, initially signed with Wake Forest. And then Clyde Pender's a really interesting one. He was a four-star recruit out of Armwood who ended up at North Carolina as part of one of one of Mac's good recruiting classes, and now transferring back home to to USF. I think if USF is going to do kind of be like what Cincinnati has become, um, they're going to do it through the portal because so many the Tampa Bay area recruits so or has so many good recruits every year in the state of florida um not all of them are going to work out at north carolina wake kansas state michigan whatever it is so if if jeff scott can figure out which of those guys he needs to add which of them makes sense for him and what they want to do and and have the talent and everything and and start reeling in guys the way he did this class that's a very good building block for for what usf is doing And and then also with this specific year you know, everybody got a year of free eligibility in 2020 because of COVID. So you could have a guy who maybe he signed in 2019, didn't play, plays in 2020, uh, but that doesn't count, plays in 2021. He's going to have a bunch of eligibility and only and been there for three years in college. So that's a lot of experience that you can add very quickly without losing kind of the long-term eligibility aspect of it. So that's something that was important to Jeff Scott and, and something that uh, – he was able to add uh, at, a, at a very good level this year with the Bulls. Yeah, and, and as far as nationally, look, I I, I think the the, <laughs> the the wealthy get wealthier, right? I mean, Alabama did okay, I'm guessing. Georgia probably okay. Yeah, uh, Bama and Georgia, last I saw, were two and three in the country. Jimbo had uh, the number one recruiting class with Texas A&M. Um, yeah, mm. th- this is just the way it is. It's it's the same guys, more or less. Some people move up a little bit. Some people move down a little bit. That's Look, that was the same way before NIL. Same thing with NIL. Um, with the portal, without the portal. It's the way college football has been for uh, 70 years more than that. Um, it's the Blue Bloods <laughs> consistently do well, and it takes a lot to crack into that. When is bowl season? I need some bowl games on at night. What's when's, We should be cranking that up. As soon as the Hallmark Christmas station cranks up, I'm starting looking for that and bowl games. I know it's the holidays. Well, uh, they, they start Friday. It's, um, oh, my goodness. There's a game at noon. It's Toledo and Middle Tennessee. The Bahamas Bowl is what it is, I believe. Middle Tennessee yes. and Toledo. That's uh, Robert Wiener, the former Plant High there. coach. He's the, the – uh, He's an assistant at Toledo, uh, going up against Middle Tennessee. Um, 
some of the better ones kind of start Saturday, um, and slowly we're 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 getting there into the the uh, interesting um, bowl games. I got one more recruiting thing really fast, if I can, just in how crazy this all is. L- listen to this one. This is my favorite. Um, a year ago, around this time, uh, there's a quarterback from I believe it was South Lake Carroll, Texas, in, in DFW area, Quinn Ewers, who is top recruit in the country. Had been committed to Texas, but decommitted. Ends up reclassifying to go from basically being a high school junior in a senior year to skipping his senior year to enroll early at Ohio State. He got, I believe, two snaps or two throws at Ohio State. Didn't work out. Was going to sit behind your boy C.J. Stroud. Ends up transferring, enters the portal, now signing with Texas, where he was, you know, a year ago, he was going to be a part of the 2022 Texas recruited class, and he ends up being that after spending a year in the middle at Ohio State. That's uh, <laughs> just how stupid everything is going on. So, yeah, I'm like you. I'm ready for some bowls. I'm ready to, to, to watch some hopefully entertaining and, and, and comical football played in random locales with you know sponsors you've never heard of uh, and kind of take my mind off of all the – insanity of the last couple weeks i'm with you matt he's matt baker uh, our college football writer still has plenty of college football to write about not just recruiting in the tampa bay times and on tampa bay.com but also the bowl season is cranking up we'll get into the national championship which will be here before you know it so lots to read and write about with the gators the seminoles usf all of that and more from matt baker thanks matt safe travels on the road buddy only uh, 93 more miles till my exit crazy signing day i was following that whole thing on uh the inner the interweb there and twitter and whatnot and i just i still can't get over how the top defensive back in the country a five-star ended up with Deion sanders man at jackson state that's just incredible to me uh we will uh preview of course uh the big bucks versus saints game the saints have had the bucks number in the regular season Taysom hill coming down here another mobile quarterback a chance for the Bucks to have a hat and T-shirt game where they could win the division for the first time since 2007. So we'll break all of that down for you, uh, and uh, just you know the week in in uh, pro football. The Bucks have the number two seed in the NFC. They're trying to improve on that. If they can, they're going to need some help from somebody to beat the Green Bay Packers who play the Ravens this weekend. And we'll see. For that matter, we're a long way from Sunday. Who knows who's going to be eligible to play by the time we get there with the COVID and everything that's going on, but. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.